0: Obviously today I'm Jimmy DeYoung Jr. along with my brother Rick we examine current events in the light of God's prophetic word and it is the weekend after Thanksgiving and I'm sure like me you have had your full of family, food, football, fellowship, you know that's what we're going to be doing for eternity Rick can you believe that
1: well maybe not the football. Maybe not the football, but we are going to be doing the fellowship. In fact, Jimmy, yeah. do you know how to spell fellowship? <laughs> how do you spell fellowship, Brick? F-O-O-D. <laughs> I know you've heard that one before many times. Uh, our dad would always tell that joke, and, and his point was that's what we're going to be doing for eternity, and so you know, we do look forward to that. And. We basically got a head start on it this week. We're practicing, that is for sure. Well, I trust that you had
0: a great Thanksgiving day and uh, Friday weekend time as we're getting ready for the reason to be thankful, which is the season coming up ahead of us here. Christmas, and we also have the Jewish holiday of Hanukkah that we will be talking about. Not today, but as we approach Hanukkah, we'll be talking about the reason for the Festival of Lights. Rick, we've been looking forward to this program for a long time because we have a project. It's the last project that we did with Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, and it's a project on the destiny of America.
1: That's right, Jimmy. and It's basically the last one of the trilogy that started with presidents, politics, and prophecy. Then we talked about Is the USA in Bible Prophecy, and the final one here. The destiny of America and it's a very timely DVD and it's very timely video. We're excited to talk about it today.
0: Yes. You know that what I thought about this program, and we're gonna play a clip of it in our program so you get an idea of what it's about and the people that will be on it. But uh, we look at the rebellion, the revolution, the rapture. In fact, I think on the program it's called Insurrection infiltration, and eminence. Our dad loved alliteration, and we're looking forward to that today on the program. Well, we do have our regular broadcast partners that we need to get to looking at and examining current events. On the geopolitical scene, Ken Timmerman is our guy. Let's
1: go to Ken. Well, that's right, Jimmy. I have Ken Timmerman with us. He's our expert on geopolitical affairs. He joins us today from the south of France. Ken, thank you for taking the time to be with us today.
2: It's my pleasure to be with you, Rick. Thanks for having me on.
1: Well, uh, like I said, you're in the south of France, you're in Europe, and that's where I'd like to start our line of questions today. There is some things taking place in Europe right now, riots in Dublin after an Algerian Muslim man supposedly stabbed some children, an election in, in the Netherlands, in the Dutch Parliament there. There are things taking place there that make it seem like a storm is brewing there in Europe. Can you give us some details and tell us what's going on there?
2: Well, there have been a lot of momentous events this week. Uh, Let's start with that stabbing in Dublin. It was in the main square of town, Parnell Square, and several children were wounded. So was a woman. Uh, Bystanders quickly were able to neutralize the assailant. And yes, it was an Algerian man. The police were very careful not to identify his uh, nationality for fear of stirring people up. And within minutes, there was a crowd that that came in, uh, an anti-immigration crowd. They, They jostled with the police. They tore off the side mirror from a police car. And Rick, as happens so often in our politically correct societies, here you have a Muslim man stabbing citizens of a Western country. And the justice minister of that Western country blames not the Algerian man, but the crowd who is protesting against immigration.
1: Well, that does certainly seem like an all-too-familiar stance that is being taken, uh, especially by the media and by some in the government. Well, what about this uh, Dutch parliament, this man that was elected that uh, seemingly came out of nowhere and was a huge shock to everybody?
2: Well, th- this is another story. Gilt Wilders has been around for quite some time. He's a very skilled politician. He's a practiced politician. Politician, he was not leading in the polls just days ahead of the election, but the tide turned at the last minute. He's very skilled at debating. You know, I've met Geert Wilders several times, in particular with David Horowitz at his Restoration weekends, and he's a man who is not a radical as he's painted in the the media. He's he's eminently sensible. He's absolutely charming, and he does not want to turn Holland into some kind of anti immigration lockdown prison. He wants Muslim immigrants to go home because he wants Holland to be for Dutch people. He also wants to spend more on social services for Dutch people, not for immigrants. Wilders is, uh, in addition, he is uh, not particularly keen on aid to Ukraine. This could get interesting if he does become prime minister, as I suspect he will be, Uh, because he has the largest votes in parliament. He has to find some coalition partners. He's in the process of doing that. But he has said he doesn't want more aid for Ukraine. And earlier this year, the outgoing prime minister, Geert Rud, had promised to send surplus Dutch F-16s to Ukraine. Let's see what happens with those aircraft once Geert Wilders becomes the prime minister.
1: We'll certainly keep an eye on that situation, but let's continue to talk about the migrant influx, and much of it is from Muslim-dominated countries, and these are Muslims moving in and potentially changing the character of the nation, which is what we've been talking about, what we're talking about right now. Finland is also having an issue here, and they say Russia is behind a huge influx from Middle Eastern countries. Can you talk about that a little bit?
2: Well, this has been happening in the past couple of weeks, and the Finns have had to step up their border enforcement. Uh, they have sent fifty additional border officers and staff to the border, along with the special equipment. They had uh, eight hundred migrants without visas or documentation who who have arrived in the in the past couple of months, and and hundreds more are on the way. And here's the irony: they're all from the Middle East, Rick. Uh, and here's here's the irony: is that they're coming from Russia, and they're coming from a part of Russia where uh, the Russians themselves have set up a 10-kilometer deep no-go zone that is controlled by the Russian military and border patrol. And so you've got these, these immigrants just, I guess, making their way. They're smarter than the Russian military and border police. They're able to just go through all of those controls without any help whatsoever and make it to the Finnish border where they try to cross illegally. So, you know, this is something that clearly seems to be a Russian tactic to flood the zone, to repay Finland for joining NATO by flooding its borders with migrants. It does not want people from Syria, from Iraq, from Iran, from Afghanistan and elsewhere in the Middle East. And I I think it's pretty clear that the Russians are behind this.
1: Well, we'll move away from the European scene there. And let's talk about the Middle East just a little bit before you have to go. We're going to have a Middle East news update with Dave Dolan in just a second. But very quickly, Iran is still trying to develop a nuclear weapon. And really, the Atomic Energy Association is basically backing off because they don't want to anger Iran right now and in, in fear that they'll escalate the Israeli-Hamas war. Can you talk about that a little bit and how we're dealing with Iran right now?
2: Uh, Sure. The IAEA Board of Governors, it's the International Atomic Energy Agency, held a meeting the day before Thanksgiving in Vienna. It was chaired by Raphael Grossi, who's the director general. And, you know, in the past, Rick, uh, it's been the director general of the IAEA who's been refusing to confront Iran. Now Grossi is very aggressive with the Iranians and it's his board of governors. It's the United States, it's France, it's Germany, uh, it's Russia, it's other countries, China as well on the board of governors. They do not want to confront Iran and they're trying to restrain Grossi from uh, passing a binding resolution condemning Iran for two things in particular that have happened in recent months. The first is that the Iranians are preventing uh, certain inspectors to have access to their nuclear facilities. They don't like people who know things. There was a Russian inspector they barred because he discovered that the Iranians had retooled one of their centrifuge arrays to enrich up to 84 percent, not 60 percent. 60 percent, 84 percent, both are nearly weapons grade quality, Rick. But it was still, it was a big, big shift in in enrichment, and they were embarrassed that they got caught out So they barred that inspector. They've also barred some French and German inspectors because they, too, have been overly inquisitive. That's a no-no in the IAEA's book. And the second no-no is, again, their steady accumulation of this near weapons grade material. Uh, Grossi said this week that uh, they now have enough 60 percent uranium to make three bombs, not two, but three bombs and that they could do within 10 to 12 days. They are really a virtual nuclear weapons state and the Board of Governors doesn't want to anger them for fear of widening the war in the Middle East.
1: Very concerning situation there, for sure. Well, here's my final question, Ken, and we have you on the program because you have a wide variety of experience in the Middle East, in Europe, all over the world. I want to talk about this situation in Israel with the negotiations between the Israeli government and the IDF and Hamas to get... Prisoners back. And there's one school of thought that says that you never negotiate with terrorists. But I wanted, uh, since I have you on the program today, I wanted to get your thought about these kind of heartbreaking and gut wrenching decisions that are being made in Israel right now as far as negotiating with and for these hostages.
2: Well, the Israelis have frequently negotiated with Hamas and the PLO, and they've done it not as the U.S. has done it by paying a billion dollars per hostage, a very bad idea but by trading prisoners that they have in their jails, Palestinian prisoners, for uh, either soldiers who have been kidnapped or, in this case, some of the hostages who were taken on October 7th during the onslaught by Hamas into Israel. It's really, Rick, it's it's a, it's a bad situation. I would not like to be in their shoes, frankly. There's no good option here. All of those hostages have families in Israel. and Those families are clamoring to have them back, and they have seen in the past— how uh, governments from both sides of the aisles have been willing to go to great lengths to get IDF soldiers, for example, returned by Hezbollah in Lebanon or by Hamas trading thousands of captive Palestinians from Israeli jails. So there is a history of, of this in Israel. They know how to do these deals with Hamas. They are not good deals. It's not pretty. but. They do want to get their people back, and it seems to be about the only way that they're going to manage that.
1: They certainly are tough decisions, Ken. Well, Ken, thank you so much for coming on the program today, giving us the benefit of your wisdom and experience and reporting on these subjects. If you would like to find out more about Ken, sign up for his newsletter, find out about the different books that he has written. You can go to Ken com. Ken, thanks so much for being here. Thanks
2: so much for having me on, Rick. God bless.
1: Great job, as always, Ken.
0: We're going to take a break, and when we come back, David Dolan is going to report on the hostage situation that has taken place over the weekend. Right here on Prophecy Today Weekend.
3: I'm Ruth Kramer with Mission Network News. Two years ago, Afghanistan took center stage as the Taliban took over the country, plunging it into a state of violence and chaos. Mike with Global Catalytic Ministry, says today...
2: It's so easy to get caught up in the darkness, right? All the bad things that are happening. But under the Taliban's nose... People are coming to know the Lord because they're seeing the the true face of Islam.
3: Global Catalytic Ministries trains and equips Christian leaders in Afghanistan. Each one quickly learns that serving Jesus means dying to self. It's hard to fear death when you don't love this world. They love God so much that nothing else matters, not even unto death. And that is only done by the Lord. GCM established numerous safe houses in the last two years, relocating thousands of Christians to safety. And there's still more to be done. Find your place in the story at missionnews.org. And in the Middle East, gospel workers are beginning to see a new breakthrough among a group known as the Ishmaelites. A ministry team recently gathered with Ishmaelite believers for a week of Bible study, prayer, and encouragement. Uncharted Ministries President Tom Doyle asks listeners to pray for these believers.
4: And that's a significant move of the Holy Spirit to reach a group that links their past all the way back to
3: Ishmael in Genesis. So this is big. The journey to faith often starts with dreams of Jesus and a search for meaning. Disciple makers then share God's word with them. We know for
4: the church to be strong, the church has to understand who they are in Christ and what God's called
3: them to do. Pray for the Lord to protect the disciple makers of uncharted ministries from spiritual attacks as they communicate God's love and calling for the new believers. Mission Network News is service of one-way ministries. This month, Sat7, a Christian satellite television ministry to the Middle East, North Africa, offers a free sample of Dr. Terry Ascott's memoir, Dare to Believe, Stories of Faith from the Middle East. Get yours when you click on the banner ad at missionnews.org. That's missionnews.org. I'm Ruth Kramer.
1: Welcome back to Prophecy Today Radio, the program that looks at current events in the light of Bible prophecy. This is our Middle East News Update. Joining us as he has been all week is Dave Dolan, a journalist with over 30 years of experience there in Israel, to tell us what's going on. Dave, the hostage situation, there's been action on that front. Could you give us a rundown of what's happened this week and specifically what happened yesterday in the hostage exchange?
5: Well, Rick, it was very, very uh, hopeful that uh, 13 Israelis were released. There were four children. several of them with their parents, their mothers, I should say, not fathers, no men released. And then some elderly Israeli women were also released. Uh, We're supposed to have uh, another release today, Saturday, of course, the eight-week anniversary of the start of this war with the horrific massacre. And uh, we're supposed to have at least 10 more released today, and then tomorrow, and then the next day. And if that happens... And there's no breaches, and uh, the Israelis uh, remain paused in their military activity. Then there's the opening for up to 10 days' worth of these releases. And the uh, foreign ministry in Jerusalem said tonight that they are hoping to at least get 100 uh, hostages out during this phase of the war, as it were. And so that would mean uh, a pause of at least a week, probably, in, in the actual fighting. There's a silver lining to that, Rick, in that it gives the soldiers a bit of a rest. It gives their commanders a bit of a rest. Uh, resupply is easier. Uh, restaging is easier. Cleaning up is, frankly, easier because they didn't say they wouldn't still clean up. In other words, you know, search and look through, look for more tunnels and stuff. They're just not doing any air activity or any bombardments during that period. In fact, the agreement allows them to continue to operate in the north. So hopefully those uh, hostages will be released. But I can tell you, Rick, it was bittersweet on Friday evening, the start of the Sabbath, the eighth uh, Sabbath. Uh, uh, since the uh, attack, and people were uh, very glad, of course, that the four little children under age 10, one only two, and their two mothers got out, and the elderly people, but they know there's so many more in there, over 200. I should add there were some Thais released, 10 Thai workers, and one Filipino worker was released. But all these other Israelis are in there. They know that it's very unlikely the men Uh, who are mostly soldiers or ex-soldiers, reserve soldiers, will be released uh, anytime soon, to say the least. The war is not over. Everyone realizes that. Hamas is still there. So there's still a lot of struggle ahead. And also, of course, there'll be the trauma that comes, Rick, and everyone is bracing for it. When, for instance, this three-year-old American a girl learns that her parents were both killed, you know, and other uh, kids are going to hear that too—that they're orphans and, and or that their best friend is dead or their dad is dead. Anyway, you know, it's there's a lot of, of of knowledge that they don't have. They've been isolated. They don't realize. What a massacre took place. They they couldn't know uh, the extent of what went on. And so there's, you know, there's going to be a lot of uh, tears still uh, in the coming uh, days and weeks as, uh, as this uh, Hamas-initiated, unprovoked massacre, attack, invasion took place and changed uh, the Middle East overnight and, frankly, uh, is changing the world also.
1: Well, it certainly is, David. And when you see those hostages, women, elderly women, young children, it just highlights how horrific the attack was. Going on to kibbutzes and pulling and dragging these young children across the border and then holding them captive and trading them. This is something unlike has ever happened with Hamas and Gaza before. And that's why this situation is different. Going forward, it's going to be different between Israel and Hamas, isn't it?
5: Well, Rick, uh, I was watching Mark Regev, senior advisor, to Prime Minister Netanyahu on Fox uh, last evening, and he pointed out that uh, Hamas had told its own people in Gaza and claimed that it had only attacked military bases on October 7th. It was all soldiers and that, you know, and he said, and here we have a stream today of 13 Israelis, uh, four elderly women and two middle-aged mothers and four Children, you know, and he said, obviously they weren't uh, captured from a military base. And of course, we know that's ridiculous. They, they attacked uh, 32 different communities overall. These today were mostly from kibbutz near Oz, which I've been on a beautiful kibbutz, um, off of the uh, Gaza Strip. And, uh, again, 240 killed at a music festival. We have the uh, the video of that. And if anybody doubts it, well, we had the PA this week say that Israel carried out that part of it, sent in helicopters, and mowed down these uh, young Israelis. Yeah, sure, you know, that's what they're claiming. But uh, CNN, uh, um, Anderson Cooper, actually did a very good documentary a couple of weeks ago on that particular attack. And there's so much camera footage. There's so much evidence of what went on everywhere. And they took some people back and they walked them through it. So again, it just, it just shows what liars they are, as the Israeli government is saying, that they are ISIS, that we can't ever again have them sitting next to us. We're sick of it. No more rockets, no more cross-border raids. This is it. And the determination to carry that out, and the polls are showing it, Rick, still, it's well over 95% of the Israeli public say, go for it. We, we cannot stop it permanently. But of course, there's concern that the pause does increase pressure for a permanent ceasefire. And, you know, the Israelis, again, don't want to continue with war. But the goal of getting rid of Hamas is equally important as getting rid of the Uh, getting the hostages back. And frankly, Rick, they know that the men will probably be held until the very end of the uh, kinetic activity, the active fighting as bargaining chips after the war is over to try to ensure Hamas's continued existence and survival. They don't expect them to be released. But uh, like one of them said to me, a friend, well, you know, they're soldiers, most of them. And They would be in Gaza right now, but they'd be above ground with their fellow soldiers fighting. And certainly if they knew uh, what had taken place, they would all be, and they probably would be anyway, but they would all be 100% behind this war continuing until Hamas is destroyed, even if that makes them part of the fallen soldiers uh, in the process.
1: Well, David, we can certainly appreciate the fact that this is a very emotional subject for you to speak on, and I appreciate you doing that. Uh, You alluded to the fact that uh, there are many that think that it may be hard for Israel to restart the They had the offensive initiative. Hamas was on the run. That pressure is probably what made them do this hostage deal. But now if you look at world opinion, many people will say, well, we have a ceasefire now or a pause, whatever you want to call it. Is Israel going to be able to regain that initiative? Are they going to be able to continue to pursue Hamas? What do you think about that?
5: Well, Rick, I think I've said it before, but there's only one world opinion that really counts with Israel, and that, of course, is Uncle Sam, Uncle Shmuel in Hebrew, the U.S. The European Union, they only expect lukewarm support at best ever. Russia's against them, China's against them, Turkey's against them, Iran's against them, on, 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 on. Some lukewarm support from some of their Arab allies, but really not much, to say the least, only one country so far has really stepped in to condemn the Hamas attack. And so they don't expect anything else. But the U.S., if President Biden turns and demands a stop to the war, then that will be a factor in Israel continuing it. Not that they couldn't technically continue it, but that would be a very difficult decision because it could sever relations, which, as we know, were pretty uh, on edge anyway uh, between Biden and Netanyahu until this terror attack took place basically so we'll see but that's what really counts but i'm pretty sure they're going to go forward either way rick because again and if the u.s does demand they stop it it's a crazy thing to try to pull them back at this point they've got to carry it on but if they can get their civilian women and children and elderly out then the israeli public understands that if the men perish in the conflict after that they might have anyway, and it, it, you know, it, it, it's a price they're gonna have to pay to, to end this uh, regime that is uh, atrocious and horrific, and they cannot be based uh, right next to their coastal cities.
1: Well, David, as we wrap this up, we look at this situation. Both you and I believe that the Jewish people coming back into the land of Israel was a beginning of the fulfillment of Bible prophecy, setting the stage for the end-time scenario where God will bring back his people when he comes back at the end of the tribulation period. Well, David, this is uh, the Bible tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Right now, uh, Jerusalem is hurting. You say that the the support of the United States is so important. I agree with you, and that is something that we can do. We can not only pray— for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for the situation that is taking place right now there in Israel, but we can also urge our politicians, those that we vote for, to continue to support Israel. David, thank you so much for being on the program, and we will continue to pray for the peace of Jerusalem.
5: Well, Rick, it's birth Pangs, uh, the Messiah, and that means he's coming. So that's the silver lining there. God bless.
0: Great job as always, Dave. Very, very difficult time for the nation of Israel at this point. Really very bittersweet, rejoicing that the hostages have come home, but still realizing that some of these hostages are only now beginning to be aware of what reality was and what actually took place on the ground. Just reminds me again that we do have a blessed hope. We are to live a self-controlled, upright, and godly life in this present time looking forward to the future well let's take a break and when we come back we have a special preview of destiny of america right here on prophecy today weekend
3: i'm ruth kramer with mission network news yemen is rampant with constant conflict food security problems and disease crises there are 34 million unreached people across 20 unreached people groups Amy, with the Strategic Resource Group, says it's a critical area in need of the Church's presence. While there are only a few believers in Yemen, those believers are passionate about their faith and their mission. Learn more about a localized Bible translation with the story at our website. And it's been 3 months since Christians in Jaranwala, Pakistan were attacked and their homes, churches and bibles set on fire. We told you Mission Cry was headed to Jaranwala to give 100 displaced Christians food and new bibles. These believers who were living in fields received the bibles with tears and thank God for his faithfulness. Mission Cry continues to minister to persecuted Pakistani Christians. You can find your place in this story at missionnews.org. Mission Network News, a service of one-way ministries I'm Ruth Kramer.
0: Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung, Jr., and along with Rick, we have been looking at current events in the light of God's prophetic word. Man, when you talk about Ken Timmerman and looking at geopolitical events around the world, when you look at what's taking place, what the world is talking about, then when you look at Dave Dolan and you listen to what he says, Rick, it's really interesting to see how close that we are getting to the very last days. And today we're coming to this portion of the program where we'd like to preview Destiny of America.
1: That's right, Jimmy. And we're excited to do this. This was, uh, like I said, our final project with our dad. But we feel it's, it's very timely because... We're looking at the subject of what is America's role in Bible prophecy. We talked about that in the previous videos. And we say, what is happening to America? Well, we see what is happening to America. That is also what is taking place in the world today. So many things aligning, coming together, that are pointing towards the rapture of the church.
0: That's one of the reasons why we focused on this. Let me remind you that this video was shot just about 2020 as COVID was coming into place, and uh, we went into lockdown. We've been working on it over these years, and it's very interesting, timely, how the very topics that we're covering uh, are the very topics of what's very important in the future here in the days in which we're living now, correct, Rick?
1: That's right. We look at some of the unrest that's taking place in America, some of the, I guess I would call it anti-God behavior that's taking place in America. We talk about that and and how that could lead to America's demise, potentially. We also talk about the threats, external threats from Russia and China. Of course, these things have not changed, even though these topics are continuing to be very pertinent.
0: Yes. Well, today's preview of this DVD project that will be out that will be available is something that you can use to pass to other people. And we do give a clear presentation at the end of the DVD. Uh, looking at prophecy, where the rapture came from, the second coming, and how people can come to know the Lord. So it would be a great project for you. We have a special uh, offer for you at the end of today's program for you to get this DVD and help our ministry out. Well, without further delay, let's get into the preview of The Destiny of America.
6: God established America with a purpose in mind. To have the prophetic scenario of god's word come to fulfillment but the united states is not mentioned in bible prophecy since america is not mentioned in bible prophecy we must ask a question how does it disappear
2: the communist party dissolved in russia but that effort to weaken america did not
4: when i go and travel and speak i ask the question How many of you have heard that Islam is a religion of peace? Everybody raises their hand.
7: We are in the midst of a spiritual war. We only have one hope and that is through Christ today.
6: The Lord used a principle that he laid out through the Apostle John in Revelation chapter 17 where he said, the Lord will put into the hearts and minds political leaders to make decisions that will set in place the prophetic scenario for the end times. Having established that the United States is not in Bible prophecy, we had to say, well, where is the United States or how does it disappear? The first possibility of an internal threat could be insurrection, a violent uprising against authority or government
8: the United States of America is unravelling for all the world to see as race riots leave many of the nation's biggest cities burning in almost unimaginable scenes. In the summer of 2020, we had all of these riots and looting and burning after the George Floyd death. People have a constitutional right to demonstrate. They have a constitutional right to speak their opinion, their views, even if they're not popular and even if they're hateful. What we have today with Black Lives Matter and Antifa, as many politicians have said, this is not demonstrations. This is anarchy. And in fact, what many of them are involved in is treason, subversion. Because what they're trying to do is overthrow our government, our form of government, a constitutional republic based on the law of the divine, private property, private ownership, and move us to a Marxist or socialist system of big government where government is in charge of everything and government becomes the god of the people. And if we had a FBI that wasn't as corrupt as the people on the street, they would be prosecuting these people under the federal law. But sadly, now we have the CIA, the FBI, the DHS, many of these agencies themselves are involved in treason, subversion, lawlessness. So instead of pitting people against each other over economics, what they started to do is pit each other over people groups. So now we're going to make everybody that's a Christian or a capitalist or embraces a Judeo-Christian worldview out to be a racist. What they have done is they have taken race and they've weaponized race. As Christians, we believe, the Bible says in Acts, that we are of one blood. There's only one race, the human race, okay? There are many people groups, but only one race, the human race. Black lives matter, of course they do. But if you say all lives matter, we're now supposedly being a racist. And who wants to be called a racist? So if you are for national sovereignty, borders, then what they'll say is, well, you want to keep brown people out.
3: The fact is, the women and children at the border are not a security threat. They are a humanitarian challenge, a challenge that President Trump's own cruel and counterproductive policies have only deepened.
6: These are basically
5: lies uh, supported more than anything else by prejudice, namely racism and xenophobia.
8: So everything they do, they couch and race so that people will sit down and shut up. And that's how communism always takes over.
3: The American people know these names have to go. These names are white supremacists that uh, said terrible things about our country. This is like over a hundred years after World War II. The majority
8: have been intimidated into silence. And the only way to stop that is to fight back with the truth. Truth is the kryptonite to the brainwashing operation, the psychological warfare, the disinformation. People have to get where they don't care what's said about them. If you can't stand up to words and insults, how are you going to stand up to what's coming? According to our experts,
6: America could collapse through infiltration. And there are two major subversive threats to America. That would be Russia and China. First, we'll look at Russia. Could Russia overthrow America? Russia is the only
2: country, militarily, somewhat on a par with America today. This is purely because the Russians have nuclear weapons. What we've seen is a steady advance of Russian influence in the Middle East. Now remember, if you go back to the 80s, Russia was there, right? Russia was in Syria, Russia was in Iraq, uh, Russia was in Libya. They had allies all across the Middle East. Russia was in bed with all of those regimes that were opposing Israel and that were opposing the United States. But they lost that with the collapse of the Soviet Union. And over the past, I'd say again, five to six years, they have been building back. The war in Syria has been tremendously important for Russia to test new military capabilities, which they have been doing steadily. Uh, we see weapons being deployed to Syria to put put them on field trial, essentially. So Russia is using the Middle East to test its military, to develop uh, new weapons, and to test them. And uh, to expand its political influence. Eastern Europe is free. The Soviet Union itself is no more. This is a victory for democracy and freedom. The Soviet Union collapsed, and the Russians, perhaps somewhat to their surprise, uh, discovered that the captive peoples and the captive republics of the Soviet Empire didn't particularly like them. So they've had a hard time rebuilding any kind of Soviet empire. Look at the tension between Ukraine, their nearest neighbor, and Russia. Uh, So they've not been able to rebuild the Soviet empire, which is one reason why I don't think they will challenge the United States. They're too small uh, and their population is shrinking. It's aging and it's shrinking. And they do not have this enormous hinterland that they used to have. They don't have these buffer zones that they used to have. Uh, But what I think Putin is trying to do is to Uh, build back the Russian economy through arms sales and through natural resource sales, oil and gas in particular, and to re-cement political alliances in places like Syria, Egypt. He's moved into Egypt, surprisingly. Putin is a Slavophile. He is somebody who believes in a kind of Slavic empire, And it's never been the Chinese that threatened. That is always the Western European powers or the United States. Under Putin's authoritarian reign, they have spent $650 billion restoring and renewing their conventional military forces as well as their nuclear forces. So they have a military capability today to wage utter war against America should they choose. I just don't believe that Russia's leaders want to do that. They don't need to. They need America to become weaker than America is today. They need America's alliances to be frayed at the edges. Uh, They need uh, America to doubt in its own power and its own legitimacy. And by the way, the Russians have been working at this, the Soviets have been working at this for 70 years. Their covert intelligence operations against us that began in the 20s uh, were aimed At a long-term effort, it began as a Russian Communist Party effort to weaken America, to make Americans doubt their system, to make Americans doubt our freedoms, to make Americans doubt the legitimacy of our government. They infiltrated the school systems, first the universities, then the high schools, and then the primary schools and we are seeing the results of it today. in a whole generation of young people who have been brought up to reject America and the American ideal, who do not understand that the Constitution of the United States is the greatest document of freedom and governance ever written in the history of the world. They believe it's a document of oppression and of slavery. That was the KGB view, and unfortunately, it's become the, the view of the teachers' unions in the United States of America.
3: The strategy of choice and competition is a strategy of winners and losers. We need to make all kids winners. strategy of choice and competition works in the private sector, but not for the public schools. American Federation of Teachers President Randy Whitegarten, thank you for that perspective.
6: Many intelligence agencies tell us that China is the number one threat to America that is, Communist China. What part does communism actually play in the collapse of the United States?
2: The Chinese Communist Party has openly declared that they believe they have the right and the destiny to become the world's hegemon, that's the term they use, the world's hegemon, by 2049. In other words, 100 years after the Chinese Communist Revolution. They believe it's almost a divine right
7: that they have. They have uh, ambitions to take over the world. And at this rate, they will do that unless we reverse course.
2: In response to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's controversial recent trip, the Chinese government fired off 11 weaponized ballistic missiles toward Taiwan.
0: Four of them went right over the top of the island into the sea.
2: They want to take Taiwan. They believe Hong Kong is part of China. They believe the South
7: part of China Sea uh, are Chinese territorial waters. They have rapidly advanced their capability. Uh, they exceed the United States on three fronts. Naval forces, ballistic missiles and cruise missiles, air defense systems. However, for China to militarily overthrow the United States at this point is unlikely at this point they do
2: not need to attack us militarily. I don't believe they want to attack us militarily. It's way too expensive, and it doesn't go along with their philosophy. If you go back to Sun Tzu, you do not engage an enemy militarily if you can defeat them with other means.
7: China's unconventional warfare takes all the levers of power of a country. So biologically, ideologically, economically, to try to cripple, to overcome the United States. China may also have an edge when it comes to how wars are fought in the 21st century.
2: The Chinese literally have a full scope assault with the goal of taking
7: everything they can possibly take from us. Their ability to manipulate the marketplace has been very, very effective. What the Chinese have done over the last number of decades is that they've attracted a lot of American jobs. Uh, And they've also used uh, their access to our research and development, science and technology, our university systems research, to vacuum up expertise that we have in this country, send it over there, turn it into products, and then sell it to us.
1: They came in and and took pictures and measurements of all the equipment that is used to fabricate that and actually sent that back to China is what I found, and one was built in in, uh, uh, Rupong's
2: old lab.
3: Is that ethical?
2: Uh, It
3: sounds like theft to me, I don't know.
2: One of the most significant things I think President Trump did was actually in his final days of office when he put out an executive order that forbade uh, investment by Americans in Chinese military companies. Now you say, well, why, why would we want to do that? Well, because the Chinese military companies are masquerading in many cases as civilian aerospace companies. And if Boeing and Lockheed Martin and other companies want to do business in China, they've got to invest in these Chinese aerospace companies. Well, in fact, they're Chinese military companies. President Trump forbade that. He said, no, you can't do that anymore. One of the first things Joe Biden did as president was to reverse that order. The Chinese are also raising money on our stock exchange. And they've been doing this for 25 years, since Bill Clinton. I warned about this 25 years ago. And now, you see, it's not just Alibaba, it's not just Baidu or others. There's hundreds of Chinese companies on the stock exchanges here in the United States getting access to our capital markets without uh, submitting themselves to the type of transparency that makes our markets more secure than those in other countries. So the Chinese economic clout has grown over the past two to three decades, uh, and they are trying to use it for their strategic purpose. Nowhere do we see this more than in the emphasis on 5G. And so the Chinese are using 5G to gain a backdoor access into all communications in the United States and in the West, it's tremendously dangerous. And under President
6: Biden, they have an open door. We'll confront China's economic abuses, counter its aggressive, coercive action to push back on China's attack on human rights, intellectual property, and global governance. But we are ready to work with Beijing when it's in America's interest to do so.
7: The Chinese are pervasive uh, in this culture. Uh, If you immigrate from China, uh, the chances are that you are going to either directly or indirectly spy for the Chinese communists. In the past couple of years, we've gone over there to Beijing uh, and people in my office. And when we come back, we basically discard all our electronics because we figure that they are they are compromised. They manipulate our country through our education establishment. If you go back in the history of the American education system, John Dewey back in the 1930s, he brought over uh, in 1933 34 uh, what's called the frankfurt school they were all communist ideologues and so where did he place them he placed them in the princeton's the yale's the harvard's and of course in hollywood hollywood has bowed to the communist chinese in terms of censorship because they make more money in china than they do in the united states in the western world the hollywood uh, studios want access to 1.4 billion people. So they censor out anything that the communist Chinese don't want in a movie or a television broadcast and the like. Arguably, COVID-19 uh, was weaponized by President Chi back in January of 2020 and was applied in a very effective way uh, against the United States.
3: This woman apparently being taken against her will by China's mutely deployed quarantine squads. A man also pulled from the apartment, forcibly taken down the stairs.
7: Biological warfare is something that uh, has really shown the kinks in our armor. Right now in the United
4: States, the situation still is a low risk for the American public,
2: but then again, that could change, and that's the thing we have to keep our eye out for. What? The Chinese knew that COVID was transmissible, and it it could be deadly by the end of December 2019. They kept that secret and lied to the WHO and to the United States for six weeks. They kept on telling the WHO, we can see that in tweets from the WHO up until the end of January. COVID is not transmissible human to human. That's what the Chinese are telling us. They knew that was a lie. Now, why did they do that? I believe they did it because they realized if they kept COVID inside China, by closing their borders and dealing with the pandemic there. It was a Chinese problem. But if COVID escaped to the rest of the world, it became the world's problem, and China could be part of the solution. And in addition to that, we have responded in a manner to destroy, to self-destruct our economy, and in many cases, our society. Left-wing leaders shut down the schools. Do you think that helps the United States? Is that a Chinese goal? Is that what they sought to do actively? I don't know, but it definitely, objectively, serves their interest.
3: Forcing 300,000 of the city's 1.1 million students back to online learning full time.
1: And I want to emphasize to parents, to educators, to staff, to kids, that we intend to come back and come back as quickly as
7: possible. What the Chinese communists truly want is a one party ruled United States. And the Democratic Party is well on the way to doing that.
6: We we'll would we'll be a nation of unity, of hope, of optimism. Not a nation of anger, violence, hatred, and division. Trump and the extreme MAGA Republicans have made their choice.
7: You have well-known Democratic Party members in Washington, D.C. that have been compromised. Everybody knows about President Biden's son and How he's been compromised through not only his relationships in Ukraine, but especially in China.
9: The analysis found millions of dollars flowing to Hunter Biden and his company. A big chunk of it came from Chinese partners. Was Was it appropriate
7: to bury the Hunter Biden? You're talking about the press doing that? He's saying that's what they did, and that is what they did. They buried the Hunter Biden story before the election because they were like, we can't risk having the election thrown to Trump. We'll tell them after the election, and, and we know for a fact that that's what they did. Of course, you no, don't. But I'm this. saying you gotta... know for a fact that that's what they did. I don't know what they did. I know because you only watch MSNBC. No, that's <laughs> not true. You know about people on the Hill and local officials all over the nation that are in the pocket of the communist Chinese. The Chinese have infiltrated the United States uh, probably as deep as possible. We have uh, tens of thousands of Chinese spies here. Uh, We have them in the Confucius Institutes and hundreds of universities. And basically they are a spy network there. The Trump administration emptied out a consulate in Houston because it was a spy haven being used to suck up intellectual material Uh, But really, the center of mass of Chinese spying is either here in Washington or in San Francisco. Diane Feinstein had a Chinese spy driving her for 20 years. Representative Swalwell was sleeping with a Chinese spy, and they certainly helped finance his campaign. And of course, Nancy Pelosi has allowed him to continue to serve in the highly sensitive Intelligence Committee in the House of Representatives. Russia and China and others, they don't like us to a certain degree because we represent uh, democratic values, human rights, uh, religious freedom, the very values that a a Marxist government cannot embrace. Communism originates, of course, from Marxism. Marxism first calls for the embracement of socialism, and socialism is on the track to communism. Uh, Socialism is where the government owns all property, uh, the government makes all the decisions for you. Uh, And then communism uh, happens because socialism uh, denies private property and people don't tolerate that. Uh, they want civil liberties and so government has to step in and enforce and take away private property from individuals now the only reason that communist china has survived is because they began to embrace aspects of capitalism capitalism says if you uh, invest and make a profit you get to keep some of that but the chinese communist party will not tolerate uh, anything other than uh, complete obedience. And so, you know, though they have certain sectors of modern day uh, communist China that are prosperous, uh, many of those are owned by government. And those that are not owned by government, the people uh, that own those companies are subservient to what the communist Chinese party has in mind. These people want to dictate every aspect of one's existence, your job, your education, how many children you have, what you believe, what you don't believe. Every aspect is what they have every intention of doing. They say that in their own literature. Why don't we believe them? In a freedom-loving country, you don't want to think the worst. You better start thinking the worst. These people want to defeat the United States. They'll destroy everything they possibly can in order to take over. If you think what is going on with the Uyghurs, re-education camps, massive rape and torture, they would do precisely that to this country. They hate us. They hate people of conscience. They hate Christians especially.
0: We
2: have documented over 1,600 churches with their crosses were being burnt, destroyed, and destructed.
1: Well, that was a clip from our latest video, The Destiny of America. It's very timely video. It's something that we want to get out to as many people as possible. And in order to do so, what we'd like to do is offer this DVD slash Blu-ray combo package for a gift of any amount if you call us at four two three eight two five six two four seven and we'd send you this video for a donation or gift of any amount
0: well that's a great offer rick and i sure do appreciate the fact that people will support us through this and this is a way of sharing the gospel message with others using bible prophecy to help people to understand the times in which we're living you know jesus's imminent return should motivate the believer to live a godly life in an ungodly world the word looking in Titus 2.13 is the key for that to happen, Rick. To be looking means that we live each day in continual anticipation and expectancy with the conviction that Jesus could come at any time. Well, we've got to take a break, and when we come back, Dr. Jimmy DeYoung will finish up his series on the Muslim world and Psalm 83. That all right after the break, right here on Prophecy Today Weekend. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung Jr. Along with Rick, we've been examining current events in the light of God's prophetic word. On today's program, we have been previewing Destiny of America. And uh, I think this is a great DVD, especially in the times in which we're living, Rick. And it's a great one to give out at Christmas time.
1: It certainly is, Jimmy. It's just one of many DVDs we have at our website at prophecytoday.com. And really, everything in our bookstore is 50% off if you'd like to go to the bookstore and give the gift of Bible prophecy, the ability to understand Bible prophecy. We've got books, CDs, DVDs, however you like to study. If you would like to call us at 423-825-6247, we would love to give you this DVD, this latest DVD that we did for a donation of any amount you choose, whatever it would be. You can call our office specifically and mention this offer that you'd like to give a donation of whatever amount you choose. And we'll send you this video because we want to get it in your hands. We think it's great information for you to have.
0: Well, today, as we conclude our study on Islam, the fastest growing religion in the world, we will show how the Muslim faith plays a role in the end-time scenario that can be found in Bible prophecy. Today, we'll list the nations that will form a coalition that will come and try and destroy the Jewish state. You will see that the lowest common denominator is their Islamic faith. The psalmist wrote thousands of years ago that these nations would pledge to wipe Israel off the face of the earth, that her name be forgotten forever. That's where we'll start our study today, on the Legacy Series in the Prophecy of the Psalmist, found in Psalm 83, Dr. Jimmy D. Young and the Legacy Series.
9: Psalm 83 is a psalmist prayer, praying that the Lord would intercede in a time of great trouble for the Jewish people. Let me just read a little bit of Psalm 83 to you. Verse 1. Keep not thou silence, O God. Hold not thy peace. Be not still, O God. For lo, thine enemies make a tubal, and they that hate thee have lifted up my head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against thy hidden ones. In other words, here is this enemy of yours, God, who are coming up against us, the Jewish people, your chosen people. They've gone into meetings. They have crafty counsel coming together. They're going to come out of the meeting. Here's what they're going to say. Verse 4. And they have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. Now, that's almost a direct quote from Hamadini Jad on July the 9th, 2008. 2008, July the 9th, he stood in Tehran, Iran among 4,000 Islamic radical leaders. He said, we must wipe Israel, off the face of the earth, and her name be forgotten forever. That was the ninth. On the twelfth, Hezbollah attacked from southern Lebanon, attacking northern Israel. And there ensued a 60-day war. It did not break into a full Middle Eastern war. But they were trying to move. Hezbollah are the surrogates put in southern lebanon in 1982 by ayatollah khomeini they're the ones that killed 252 marines in the barracks there in lebanon they have a desire one desire to wipe israel off the face of the earth i could stay here for probably the next couple of hours telling you how the iranian influence is taking over the entire middle east What has happened in Egypt is now they have renewed ties with Iran and they're following the Iranian pattern for a purpose of setting up an Islamic Republic. They have sent all kind of grad missiles. The Katusha rockets are coming into Israel, but I've seen personally stood and touched grad missiles with the name manufactured in Iran from the Gaza Strip into modern-day Israel. They have an influence in what's happening in Lebanon. Sheikh Nasrallah, who is head of Hezbollah, this terrorist organization sponsored, paid for, equipped by Iran and the Iranian Revolutionary Guard, Nasrallah has taken control of the country of Lebanon. They are no longer a sovereign state. Read the news. It's there in the news as plain as the nose on your face. These nations are moving to take control. Notice here two states that are going to be included in addition to the states I've already talked about notice here in verse 6 it says and the ishmaelites now where did ishmael go to live i told you arabia so he establishes saudi arabia they'll be a part of this mix of this coalition of nations look here at the last one in verse 7 tire the land of tire that's modern day lebanon and so now we see the picture lebanon saudi arabia egypt syria libya ethiopia somalia sudan iran afghanistan pakistan turkey russia these nations form a coalition to come to wipe out the jurist let us wipe them out that their name be forgotten forever go back to chapter 38 of the book of ezekiel just a moment chapter 38 of the book of ezekiel in chapter 38 it tells us the time when they're going to attack look at verse 8 and after many days thou shalt be visited and in the latter years thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of israel which have always been waste but is brought forth out of the nations that's talking about the jewish people out of 108 nations of the world over the last 100 years jews have come to live in the land of israel now notice what it says and they are going to come and they're going to dwell safely all of them in the land look up here in verse 11 and thou shalt say i will go up to the land of unwalled villages i will go up to them that are at rest that dwell safely all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates that's a military terminology the land are the cities of unwalled villages you see when ezekiel wrote this book he didn't know anything about f-16 fighter jets He didn't know anything about the V tank, the most sophisticated tank in the world. He didn't know anything about the Apache attack helicopter that could maneuver unbelievably any place in a war zone. Ezekiel didn't understand that. He knew that the only defense the Jewish people had was a wall around the city. So all he could say was, when they live in unwalled villages, they've laid down their defenses. They no longer are defending themselves. When is that? I told you last time we got together. The rapture takes place. The Antichrist appears, and he confirms a peace treaty. The Jewish people, duped by the devil, believe he's their Messiah. Peace has come. The kingdom is in place. They lay down their weapons. They live in unwalled villages, and these nations attack. They attack. Joel chapter 2 and verse 3 says, The mightiest militia to ever be formed on the face of the earth comes to Jerusalem to wipe them out. Because that worldwide caliphate must be set up in Jerusalem. The Mahdi, most likely the 12th Imam, Hamad says, He's alive! He's about to appear we're living in the apocalyptic age I am the forerunner I am the one leading the way for the Mahdi Mahdi Arabic Messiah he will appear he will bring all the world together and go to Jerusalem not Mecca and Medina Jerusalem to set up the worldwide caliphate this militia The largest one ever on the face of the earth can only be formed by one people the 1.5 billion Islamic people who if they are dictated to by the Quran and the hadith their holy books must wipe the Jews off the face of the earth the house of Islam requires it nobody can live in that land except Muslims what happens Go back to Ezekiel 38. Let me close with this. Starting in verse 18. Notice what it says. Ezekiel 38, verse 18. And it shall come to pass in that same time when God shall come against the land of Israel, saith the Lord God, that my fury shall come up in my face, for in my jealousy, in the fire of my wrath, have I spoken. Look here in verse 21. And I will call for a sword against him throughout all of the mountains, saith the Lord God. Look at verse 22. And I will plead against him with pestilence and with blood, and I will rain upon him and upon his bands and upon the many people that are with him, upon his bands, that's including all of the people that live in their home countries the military operation is going to be there in the middle east to take out the nation of israel but all of his bands is referring to all of their nation from which they come Now, notice he said i'll rain hellfire and brimstone upon them chapter 39 verse 1 therefore thou son of God prophesy against Gog and say thus saith the Lord God behold I am against thee, o Gog, the old pre- Gog the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal now I'm reading from the King James Bible if you have another translation you may not have this but here's what the King James says in the Hebrew word look it up and I will turn thee back and leave but a sixth part of thee turn thee back and wipe out five sixths of all these people Let's just keep reading the rest of verse two and will cause thee to come up from the north parts and will bring thee upon the mountains of Israel and I will smite thy bow out of thy left hand and will cause the arrows to fall out of thy right hand and thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel thou and all of thy bands and the people that is with thee and I will give thee unto the ravenous birds of every sort and to the beast of the field to devour all of these nations Syria Egypt libya ethiopia somalia sudan turkey iran afghanistan pakistan libya lebanon saudi arabia russia they all come against israel and they're wiped out by five six they're wiped out they're rendered inoperative, and the Muslim world has no longer that power on the world thus god's Planned prophetic scenario unfolds with the Antichrist ruling over a false religion in Rome. Islam must be wiped out because Islam is an exclusive religion. 9-11 was the beginning of the end. It started to unravel. Up to the rapture, Islam, major player in this world. Boom! Rapture. Islam continues on until they form the coalition and go against God's people. And they are wiped out. It's never in the history of the world. It's never been just like this. Stages set. Every actor, our nation, in place to attack the Jewish state. Curtain is about to go up on the final drama as foretold in God's prophetic word. One thing holds the fulfillment of these prophecies back. One thing, the rapture of the church, and then these prophecies are fulfilled. That's where we are in history. This moment, how do we deal with it? How then ought we to live? Father, thank you again for this divine description of the days of destiny seemingly describing the days in which we are living it's unbelievable to simply open the pages of Bible prophecy read from the text and allow ourselves to see this prophetic passage as a spotlight on current events Dr. Walford used to say this is indeed setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. Let us realize where we are in your time. Allow this to make an impact on our lives so then we can live expectingly for you to come in the urgency of the moment. Thank you for what you're going to do because we've studied your word this day my precious name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Indeed, a study of the prophetic scenario found in God's word for the last days reveals that an alignment of nations will form a coalition to go to Israel with the intent to wipe the Jewish state off the face of the earth. Current events indicate that the stage is set for these prophecies given by the ancient Jewish prophets to be fulfilled and seemingly in the very near future. The Islamic faith is the fastest growing religion in our world today and its holy book, the Quran, does call for a holy war in the future. The world today seems ready for these prophecies to be fulfilled. Please join us next week as we continue to learn how current events are setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and
0: the Legacy Series. We'll be right back after the break.
3: I'm Ruth Kramer with Mission Network News. Two years ago, Afghanistan took center stage as the Taliban took over the country, plunging it into a state of violence and chaos. Mike with Global Catalytic Ministries says today...
2: It's so easy to get caught up in the darkness, right? All the bad things that are happening. But under the Taliban's nose, people are coming to know the Lord because they're seeing the the true face of Islam.
3: Global Catalytic Ministries trains and equips Christian leaders in Afghanistan. Each one quickly learns that serving Jesus means dying to self. It's hard to fear death when you don't love this world. They love God so much that nothing else matters, not even unto death. And that is only done by the Lord. GCM established numerous safe houses in the last two years, relocating thousands of Christians to safety. And there's still more to be done. Find your place in the story at missionnews.org. And in the Middle East, gospel workers are beginning to see a new breakthrough among a group known as the Ishmaelites. A ministry team recently gathered with Ishmaelite believers for a week of Bible study, prayer, and encouragement. Uncharted Ministries' President Tom Doyle asks listeners to pray for these believers. And
4: that's a significant move of the Holy Spirit to reach a group that links their past all the way back to
3: Ishmael in Genesis. So this is big. The journey to faith often starts with dreams of Jesus and a search for meaning. Disciple makers then share God's Word with them. We know for the church
4: to be strong— The church has to understand who they are in Christ and what God's called them to
3: do. Pray for the Lord to protect the disciple-makers of uncharted ministries from spiritual attacks as they communicate God's love and calling for the new believers. Mission Network News is service of one-way ministries. This month, SAT7, a Christian satellite television ministry to the Middle East, North Africa, offers a free sample of Dr. Terry Ascott's memoir, Dare to Believe: Stories of Faith from the Middle East. Get yours when you click on the banner ad at missionnews.org. That's missionnews.org. I'm Ruth Kramer.
0: Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung, Jr. Along with Rick, we have been examining current events in the light of God's prophetic word. This is such a great time of the year. I trust that you have enjoyed the program today as we gave you a sneak preview. But I love Christmas time, Rick, and it's something that has always been very special in our family.
1: Really, this time of the year reminds me of an illustration that Dad used to use, and the illustration goes something like this. Mom and Dad were driving along, I think, in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and they saw beautiful Christmas decorations. Mm-hmm. And when my mom saw the Christmas decorations, he said, boy, I can't wait for Thanksgiving. You know, we do love Thanksgiving. Every other year, we get together with Mom's family, so you can tell that she loves Thanksgiving. And Dad just looked at her, and he's like, you're crazy. Why, when you see Christmas decorations, Mm -hmm. does it make you think of Thanksgiving? Well, the illustration goes to prove what we do here on Prophecy Today Radio is we look at events that are going to take place in the end time and how current events in the world today are setting the stage for these prophecies to be fulfilled, But you know what? Just like Thanksgiving comes before Christmas, the events that are going to take place in the future take place in the tribulation period. And before that, the rapture of the church must take place. That's
0: a great analogy. And as a matter of fact, I think we'll be playing a portion of that, and you'll hear a message during our Legacy Series in the month of December where he does tell that story. Well, Rick, today we covered our project of the destiny of America. I know, you know, when we first thought about this program, we were thinking about the uh, working title was The Demise of America, and you and I have kind of referred back to that a couple times, but we changed it to The Destiny of
1: America. Why Why did we do that? Well, simply, Jimmy, we changed the title because we're looking at the destiny of America. All the nations of the world will have a role to play. All the nations that are in effect when the tribulation takes place and the end times begin, they will have a destiny. They will have a role to play in God's end time
0: scenario. As we examined that in the program today, you heard about that in the insurrection or the infiltration, how America very well could fall. Well, the end of that video, uh, I told you we do go through prophecy. We help people to understand. We lay out the timeline, and we give the gospel presentation. And we want to finish up with that the ending of that video today as we close out our program as we talk about the reason why we do this.
8: As an American, you could very easily lose your hope. The Bible clearly says it's going to get worse and worse and worse. But that is not a doom and gloom message. Because I understand this isn't all running out of control. It's actually like a script. And things are going prophetically as they have been foretold to happen. So this is a great exciting time to be alive. And my hope is in the fact that Jesus is our great hope.
0: I finally get to be with Jesus Christ. I finally get to go to heaven. No more pain, no more sorrow,
7: no more death. If we die and we go into the grave, that is not the end. We have a hope, a hope of forgiven sin and eternal life, free from the presence and the power of sin. We have the only hope for the world. In spite of all the threats and the persecution and the horrendous things of, you know, based on men's sin, uh, we have the answer. And we ought to tell the world about that, uh, unashamedly, we ought to be out there declaring the truth of Christ uh, in a world that doesn't want to hear it. You know, keep in mind, this is a spiritual war. Uh, what Satan and his demons do is they use lies, intimidations, and manipulations. They try to embarrass us in, in, into not saying anything. They try to manipulate our thoughts. You know, We are sinful. And we have to recognize where we've come from, but we have to keep our eyes on where we're going. And so, yes, there's great hope, uh, but that hope's not here. That hope is in heaven. And we need to share that good news with those that are lost. And there are a lot of lost people out there.
4: God is sovereign. God is still on his throne. Every nation is gonna be seated at his footstool. He, He still has the iron scepter that he is going to still rule nations with. And we have to remember, that even though we have a period of suffering, that that period is short lived. The Bible promises that as we're entering into these last days, into these final days, into these days of Noah, that at the end of that time, the Lord is gonna return his saints with him to rule and reign on this planet. Our hope is in our gospel message. When the word is preached, it brings life, it brings hope. The hope centers of America are us, the Christians. Jesus is returning soon. So ultimately, the enemy will be defeated. Ultimately, these things will be broken and Jesus is coming to rule and reign as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But in the meantime, let's gather. Let's be bold to share with people, with Muslims, with non-Muslims, with anybody. They need to hear the truth. The truth will set them free. God is still victorious. We will not lose. We can stand on that solid ground, which is the Word of God. That Jesus Christ is Lord, is Savior. He rescued me 22 years ago. He can rescue you or anybody who calls on his name to be saved. That
6: blessed hope is based upon our relationship with God. That relationship is not a religion. That hope is based upon the fact that you do know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, which is as simple as ABC. You need to admit that you're a sinner. I did when I was 11 years old, and I trusted in Jesus Christ. But my first step was to admit that I was a sinner who needed a Savior. B, to believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He came, he lived a perfect life, crucified, buried, three days and three nights later, resurrected from the dead. We believe that, that's the gospel. The gospel is the promise of the death, burial, and resurrection, and that for the purpose of giving us eternal life. So you have A, admit, B, believe, and then C, call upon the name of the Lord. Book of Romans chapter 10 verse 13 says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can call upon the Lord right now. In fact, as you're watching this documentary, you could bow your head, admit you're a sinner, believe that Jesus died to take away our sin, and call upon him to give you eternal life. I want him to find me living pure. But in addition to that, I need to be productive until he does come to take us up to be with him forevermore.
0: If you have decided to make that decision today, we would love to hear from you. That was Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and our new video, The Destiny
6: of America. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Jay Johnson inviting you to join us again next week for more of Prophecy Today.